1: It's the Blue-White Breakdown, brought to you by
0: Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and David Jones. Okay, guys, Blue-White Breakdown time. Uh, Dave Jones and Bob Flounders, I'd be Bob Flounders. Dave, for you, I wore my Roll Tide visor in honor of what happened on championship game weekend and in honor of Billy O, Billy O'Brien, who made a little money, I think, long-term during the course of that game. Oh, that's right that didn't occur to me. Lots of news to get to. Penn State's going to play Arkansas in the Outback Bowl. You were you sniffed it out on Sunday. Everyone was thinking Vegas Bowl. It was it was the Outback Bowl. It'll be their fifth time, I think, in Tampa. They're 3 and 1. They're playing Arkansas, Dave, never played the Razorbacks, which is crazy to me that they've never ever ever played. Hopefully it'll be an interesting game. We still have to see about opt-outs. We have to see about the transfer portal. We have to see about Penn State's defensive coordinator. But I left, Dave, I left I left the uh, weekend recently. I know we're talking about who's going to be the defensive coordinator at Penn State. I just can't stop thinking about Penn State's former offensive coordinators. Not just Bill O'Brien effect, essentially was an offensive coordinator when he was the head coach. But also Joe Moorhead uh, rebounded nicely from what happened to Oregon on Friday. He's now the head coach at Akron. And the guy we never got to know, Dave a guy we never got to know Kirk Shiraka after one year at Penn State went to West Virginia I think he was an analyst now he is back as pet boy as you like to call him PJ Flex offensive coordinator they worked well together
1: he's always having a good day he's having a great day he's having a great day every day uh yeah, yeah Shiraka was great with Minnesota that that yeah. 2019 offense was terrific I don't know if you can go home again I think that was a unique uh group of talent and three really good receivers with is Johnson still with the uh, Buccaneers, right?
0: Yeah. I think Tyler Johnson is still with the Bucs. Uh, Rashad Bateman uh, is in his first year with the Ravens. The other guy though, uh, the big receiver, that third receiver is still with uh, the Gophers, but I think his uh, uh, eligibility could be about up. He's been there. for Yeah. A
1: that, that would be Chris Ottman bell. And he is, yes. he's had a terrific year too. So yeah. but what I'm saying is that was a unique, cluster of talent with Tanner Morgan and some terrific running backs, Moab Ibrahim yeah, and not just him. They had, they had a lot of really good talent that year for Kirk to uh, work with. And he hasn't had that kind of talent since. It's funny how that works when the super geniuses are created around talent. And then when the talent goes, they're not such super geniuses. Anymore, they're more you, like wild. You just keep
0: dogging my man PJ Fleck. You just want to keep dogging him. All uh, did... I'm
1: not doing that. I'm just saying that, that I'm, I'm talking about Kirk. Really, I mean, okay. I, yeah. Okay.
0: You know, Tanner Morgan never, I think, looked better uh when during his time with Kirk. Uh, that game he had against Penn State uh was phenomenal, but you know, he, he just he he just re- he has regressed. I mean, he just hasn't looked like the same guy. I'm sure there's. More to it than Kirk Moorhead, but I don't. Just, I don't think. I don't think he's regressed. I think the
1: offense has regressed, and the way they use him has regressed. Yeah. And injuries to the running back room have really damaged him. I mean, I believe they were working on their fourth string running back uh, by the end of the season, and yet they were trying. Their 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 best part of the team is probably their offensive line. Yeah, basically, uh, Fleck was just trying to gum games to death and shorten them beat up people with the running game. And that hurt Morgan too. I think Tanner Morgan's a very, he's going to be like a Brian Hoyer type of NFL quarterback. I think he's a very sharp kid. So I don't think it was him. I think it was everything around him.
0: Okay. Uh, Fair points. All of them fair. You know, I was thinking, we were talking about the Georgia Alabama game. I know it is the blue white breakdown, the Penn state podcast, but Billy O'Brien Penn state fans, come on. You had to be rooting. For Billy O. And I was thinking after the game, you know, I know it's always hindsight, but they're like, oh, this Georgia defense, this Georgia defense. And Bill's never had more talent than when he's had at Alabama. And he's been game planning against like the Ravens and Rex Ryan and the Steelers defense when they had some teeth. Do you think he was really scared of the Georgia defense? Do you think he's had tougher challenges in the NFL, man?
1: kind of like a boy named Sue I've met tougher men but I really can't remember when um I, I guess I guess I, we we have a, a common friend from Georgia he, and he said let me tell you now this 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 J- Jacoby Dean I've never seen I haven't seen a greater player than him you might know who that is I know who it is and before the game and I said so are you surprised he goes Thirty-eight points surprised me. That's when it was thirty-eight. <laughs> before it was, where did it end up? 41-24. twenty-four. Forty-one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it surprised a lot of people. I was talking, to, I was texting back and forth with Heather Dinich this morning, and I ran into a text that I sent her like on November seventh after we got back from Columbus, and you yeah, and I yeah. both kind of agreed that Ohio State offensive line was not what they were cracked up to be, yeah. and we thought they they could get beaten that they were not a great team by any means at scrimmage, either on offense or defense. And I texted her, I said, Ohio state is, it was November 7th. I texted her, Ohio state is frauds. I mean, (laughs) they're, they're not what people think they are. They're not as good because she has to report on the college football playoff committee and where they had them. And, And you remember there was a stage about a month ago where everyone thought they were wonderful, well, well, the Michigan
0: their, State
1: game. Yeah. Look at their schedule. You know, yeah. look yeah. at who they were playing. They hadn't played anyone except for Oregon and Penn State. And, and they struggled with both of those teams. As uh, a former Michigan basketball player said about Penn State when they went 13 0 at the start of the 1995 <laughs> 96 season, you can, you can win a lot of games against Huckabuck State. <laughs> So that, it's, yeah. it's you got to look at schedules, man. I don't know. I don't know who challenged Georgia before that game. Really. Mm-hmm. That being said, now who does Arkansas remind you of? That Penn State in a bowl game. This whole setup kind of reminds you of a recent Penn State bowl game with an underdog upstart team that's feeling really good about themselves and yeah, is probably being going to be raring to go.
0: And a yeah. Penn State team that could be just playing out the string. Yeah, the it? Citrus Bowl, right? You're talking about yeah. Kentucky? Kentucky. So, you know, and, and I know I, I, was, I was reading uh, Daniel Gallen's uh, storylines, and he was mentioning, you know, how big the uh, Arkansas quarterback is. He's like 250, like 6'3", 6'4". And I was like, you know what? He's, he's It's almost like Penn State's defense. Is preparing to run, to play against a little bit like Will Levis because Will Levis is not that small uh, compared to that quarterback, and they just didn't have him this year. But I think it's a great game. I love it when teams meet for the first time. It's who wants it more. Penn State didn't even want to be in that Citrus Bowl. I didn't think until about halfway through the third quarter. Or are
1: they gonna, are they going to want to be in this? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't know. The the quarterback you're talking about is KJ Jefferson. Yeah, He's from a tiny little town in Mississippi. And he was pretty much neglected as a quarterback. He was recruited, being recruited as a tight end and a linebacker. What's that remind you of? <laughs> like, how many how many Penn State quarterbacks did we hear about like that from uh, under Paterno? I mean, well, we him was a linebacker. It was, it was McCoy. Wasn't Seneca, reco- wasn't
0: he? Seneca, was he? I think Jim Kelly, Jeff Hostetler. I think they all looked at him at <laughs> <as> linebacker. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so... Arkansas was the only school that wanted him as a quarterback, and that was Chad Morris, the predecessor, who was like a high school coach, and it was considered a mistake to recruit him. Uh, Here he is now under Sam Pittman, who is by all accounts a miracle worker in this this situation. Uh, Other than Vanderbilt, Arkansas was really playing like the worst team in the SEC of all 14 they had a couple of horrific seasons under Morris, two and 10, two and 10. They got rid of him. There had been a lot of residue under a, a, a few sleazy reg- regimes with Houston and Bobby Petrino. Bobby Petrino! And, oh. and John L. Smith was stuck in for a year. It's been a mess. And then Belama, who kind of came in there Our uh, guy. like a... Like a uh, a Bantam rooster, well, not a Bantam, not a Bantam rooster. Ho! Oh! <laughs> go on, go on. With the strutting around like he was going to hit hit the SEC like the world on fire. And he found out it ain't that easy. And by the end, he, they wanted him out of there. It was, it was a mess. And Sam Pittman, who was another, just a total nomad. This guy's been to everywhere. Yeah. He's been to 11 different FBS schools. He's 60 years old. He looked like a, what are they doing, kind of higher. And he's had the magic touch with these guys. They run through walls for him. They, they're they not a super talented team. Uh, they they don't have, they, they've got like three or four guys. Their wide receiver's really good. Yeah, One of their safeties is really good. But outside of that, they got pluggers. And they've played everyone except for one team off their feet. Uh, yeah. Eight and four, four and four was life or death with Alabama. Same thing with Mississippi, two of the three best teams in that league. Um, And beat LSU, much more talented team, beat A&M, much more talented, much more talented team, beat Texas, who is dysfunctional, but a much more talented team. Uh, So you can see these guys have been playing above their weight class, above their pay grade, all season, and... I think they're, they're, Arkansas hasn't been to a decent bowl in a decade. They've only been to one. Uh, they were going to go to the Texas Bowl last year as like a fill-in because there weren't enough teams, even though there were three and seven, and then COVID canceled that, so it's not a real bowl. So they've been to the Liberty Bowl and the Belk Bowl and the Texas <laughs> Bowl back in 14, 15, 16 under Bielema. This is a big deal for them. Going to the Outback Bowl is a big deal. It's kind of a resurgence for them. They're going to be ready, you would think.
0: Dave, I wanted to ask you this. Uh, Circling back to uh, the championship weekend, I I mean, I didn't know. I knew Michigan was going to win that game. I was worried they were going to be flat. They just flattened Iowa. You know, expansion possible, uh, and the Big Ten trying to have multiple teams maybe in the dance. It's been a pretty uh, non-competitive Big Ten title game, East versus West under the current alignment. I think it's eight zero, right? I think it's been all Big Ten East teams. The margin of victory isn't pretty. Do you think the Big Ten long term needs to think about doing something about that, or do you? I think, think
1: Ohio. I think they have to do. I, I've only been advocating this idea for like ten years. I teed you up then. You know, they first tried that stupid leaders and legends thing. <laughs> I you and say- no one. It was it was such a dopey, freaking not to mention pretentious. But no <laughs> one could remember who had which schools. Now, if there's one thing that's good about geographical alignment, you can remember who's in which division. And I think that's kind of important. (laughs) Plus, it gives you a regional flavor. So even when there have been a lot of years where the East was better than the West, like pretty much all of them, there have been so many times where West teams, Iowa ambushed uh, Ohio State. Purdue did the same thing. Iowa ambushed Michigan. Wisconsin has played people really tough. They just haven't done it at the Big Ten championship level. Uh, the the one loss difference is not that great over the course of the season, but the East has been top heavy. So I think what they have to do is go lakes and plains. Oh, yeah, I got backwards. Lakes and plains. No, it is this way. Yeah, <laughs> lakes and plains. So it's 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 basically a northeast southwest alignment. If you do that, you can get Ohio State in the Southwest division and the Plains division mm-hmm. and even things out a little bit. And I think that's all you need to do that way. You've got all the, the, the schools up by the lakes plus uh, Rutgers, which doesn't really have a lake Well, you, they probably have a toxic waste dump there that counts as a lake. So,
0: so in Penn state's division, you're the geography specialist judging by that visual graphic you just gave us. So it's Penn state, what Michigan, Michigan state, Indiana, Purdue, not, Man, not Indiana, true. Michigan, Michigan State,
1: Penn State, Rutgers, Minnesota, Wisconsin, oh. um, like that. See, okay, everyone that's around a lake and then the plains adds, it's got Iowa. Nebraska's got to get better at some point. <laughs> and then they, they don't have to be a champion, but they've got yeah, some, yeah. they've got a money. I mean, they've got a budget. They're the fourth most, the fourth richest school in the league. As far as football budget and athletic budget, Ohio State in with those schools in the southwest, Illinois, northwestern, northwestern's in the northeast, too. The northwestern's on the lake. So you're pretty much dividing it up by the cornfields and the schools around the lakes. And they need a big dog, man. They need Ohio State to add in there with Iowa.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense. Uh, I don't know that they have the commissioner that's probably interested in that. But I think I think you have a good idea. And I know you've you've written about it in the past. I forgot about lakes and plains. I always think of planes, trains and automobiles when you do that with me. And I just I get a little <laughs> I get a little I, I, I didn't mean to firing. do that. I, I just think Nebraska has got to get better. They, they don't
1: have to be a championship caliber to be representative. They just need to be like Michigan State to be a contender. And I think that's what they are. So if you put Ohio State, Iowa, and Nebraska together, those are three big money schools. That should balance things out. It should. This
0: is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our 12 locations. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. I, I know that you uh, I think you had a little chance to talk to Joe Moorhead a little bit, maybe via text. And I just didn't want to promote anything. No big announcements. I didn't know yeah, if you, he agreed to it. I didn't know he if we wanted to, to in at anything right now on future podcasts. We could kind of we kind of we kind of start to ramp it up, Dave, if you want to do say something right now.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, he's agreed to be on the podcast. So he's the thing about Joe is he can talk about anything as I do. He enjoys severe weather. So we might go through the podcast and do nothing. I told him, he said, sure, I'll do it. He said, you know, we, we might not talk about anything except uh, severe weather and uh, doing impersonations, comparing our impersonations of Franklin, which he, was <laughs> all up he said, he said, he said, as long as we, we I, I was talking about tornado videos in particular, because I will watch those forever. Um, mm-hmm. did you see, did you ever see the one of the guy in Illinois, the old man who's like 84 and fearlessly, I guess he, he was thinking I'm going to die anywhere and anyway, I'm going to just stay here. It's an amazing, amazing video. His house collapsed on him while he was taking the video and it's only like an EF3 and this thing goes right through his little town, collapsed the building, uh, uh his house and you see everything just just being destroyed. I've never seen anything like it. And his his wife was downstairs, and she died. And But, you know, he published the thing. It's gotten like 4 million hits. So <laughs> I don't know if he's alive anymore. Uh, Joe said, as long as we only do videos that are e- EF3 or higher on the advanced <laughs> Vegeta scale.
0: That was his response. Does, wait, does he have a James Franklin impersonation too? We're gonna find out. Oh, Okay, all right. I've been working on mine. It's not as good as yours, but I mean, it's a that's a tall task for me to catch up to where you're at because you're you really you know yeah, you're it, like, it's all about what you say,
1: not 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 how you say it. In my mind, I mean, yeah. who was who was the best the best Skip Carey? You remember who did the best Skip Carey? He was from the NFL Network. He used to work for ESPN. What's his name? I, 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 I can't think of his name. Uh, it's, who, is it
0: Rich Eisen? Rich Eisen. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: It doesn't sound like Skip Carey, really, but it's so exaggerated. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. You know, yeah. who did the best? Joe Paterno. It was Jerry, Jerry Keller. Keller. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did it really yeah. sound like Joe? No. Yeah, it was yeah. the, it was the stuff that he said. So, don't worry about sounding exactly like him. It's it's all getting the key words in, which I think you're you, learning.
0: You heard you heard it from Dave Jones, Penn State fans on a on a future Blue White breakdown podcast. We are confident we will have former Penn State OC Joe Moorhead, now the Akron head coach. He was the Oregon OC, he was the Mississippi State head coach. He's been to Yukon, he's been to Fordham. I mean, what what a what a sto- uh, what the stories he could tell us if he really wanted to. We'll see what we can get out of him, but I always enjoyed talking to Joe. He was he was I thought he was a very very fascinating guy. He's, uh,
1: unlike a lot of coaches. I mean, he's not he's not Brian Harson, right? Yeah, he's not one of these androids who can only talk about X's and O's in football and you look in his eyes.
0: I think this is timely because we don't know what's going to happen between now and the bowl game with regard to Jahan Dotson you know Penn there's been Penn State talented players who have opted to play in bowl games uh Saquon Barkley did in the Fiesta Bowl Chase McSorley played in the Citrus Bowl I mean I, I think we always knew he was going to play he actually played on a broken foot I think halfway through the game but you just don't know Dave you don't know what they're going to decide to do uh he could decide he's you know he's going to get ready for the draft and you know no one would certainly no one would blame him but I just wanted to real quick as we kind of wrap up this this edition just get your thoughts on kind of what he's meant to Penn State, how he's developed, and just what a unique, unique player he is because he's certainly not the biggest Penn State receiver we've ever covered, but man, he's probably, I think he's the most dangerous receiver by far that we've ever covered. You know what I think of him when I think of
1: this year and last year, and especially this year, and I was thinking of it as far as my Heisman choice, and we can't talk about our Heisman palettes until after the presentation on Saturday, but we can talk about who we considered. And I think we, we shared our lists yeah, of, yeah. of the seven or eight that we considered and Dotson was on both of them. Uh, ultimately, neither of us picked him, but the reason I felt like I had to consider him in spite of the fact that his stats are not like fabulous, like the the kid from Pitt, his stats like fly off the sheet. Mm-hmm. And there were, there were a couple other guys, but uh, Dotson had so many. You could you could probably list a dozen highlight reel catches that he did this year just contorting his body body twisting in there, you know, getting just fingertips on the ball and coming down with it somehow, exposing himself, which a lot of receivers will not do. proud uh, there it takes a little bit of courage to do that. Uh, he's he's done it all season. Uh, And that's why I thought, you know, stats don't quite say that, do they? They don't quite describe all the incredible, important catches that he made in games where Penn State won and where they could have won because of him. Uh, That's that's what I think of when I think of Jahan Dotson. Plus, he's just a great kid. He's a nice kid who is aware and grateful for what he can do for his family. And that's that's all you can ask. He's, he's just a really nice kid. So I, I, if he opted out of this, yeah, I think this should be kind of de rigueur for anyone in his position. Mm-hmm. You, you, you shouldn't have any pressure on you to play for a seven and five team in a third tier bowl game. <laughs> it just shouldn't, there, there should be no pressure from fans or coaches or anybody. It should be all his decisions. And if he, if he opts out of it, so be it. I mean, this is, this is his big bet. This is his future on the line. The last thing you want to do is see him. Would, would Penn State fans be happy to see him get hurt in this game? For what? Right. For who? For what? Uh, Ricky Waters. <laughs> you know,
0: Harrisburg reference. Um, <laughs> you know, no. Dave, Jahan Dotson, what I, what I, one of the things I'll remember about him is, They listed him at about a buck eighty-five. He could be one eighty-five. He could be one ninety. If he played at one seventy-eight, I wouldn't be surprised. He had he had elite small man skills, but he also had pretty elite big man skills because he's strong. He could go up and get the ball. He could win some contested catches, uh, and you know he would go across the middle yards after the catch. All those things, you know, he could he could do all of those things an NFL team, if they're going to evaluate him, I don't, I think he checks just about every box. I don't think he's got a weakness. I think he's, he is, he's certainly fast enough. He's got great hands. He runs great routes. I just, he can play the game any way you want to play it. You know what I mean? If you want to press him, good luck. If you want to play off him, he's going to, he's going to kill you underneath. I mean, you want to put your best corner on him. He's probably going to go up over the top of him. You know, he just is such a fascinating player. I have only been covering Penn state, for like 20 years. But when I think of Penn State's greatest wideouts, um, it's him, it's Alan Robinson, and a guy that was on the 82 national championship team that just didn't get a lot of volume. Uh Kenny Jackson, who I thought was a tremendous, tremendous talent, uh, whenever they got him the ball when he teamed with Todd Blackledge. I know there's I know Bobby Ingram was a great player at Penn State, too. Yeah, you're you're missing
1: Bobby Ingram, but I
0: know, I know what I'm saying, but I think I think that I think that if I was gonna pick my three best. Penn State wideouts. I think Bobby might be fourth.
1: I gotta disagree with that. I think he's the best of all of them coming into this season. And Chris Godwin, I think, his yeah. last year right. was He'd tremendous. He'd probably be
0: my fifth. He'd yeah. probably be my fifth. I'd
1: put I'd put Godwin and Ingram in that top three with, mm-hmm. with probably Robinson fourth.
0: Yeah, I just don't Johnson. I think I think people get forget about Kenny Jackson because he they they really I mean, they threw the ball some, but they, didn't, they if they would have featured him the way that Penn State featured Godwin and Robinson, uh, even Ingram to an extent in the mid-90s, I, th- I just think he would have put up some pretty phenomenal numbers. Well, as a comparison, I've always said Ingram
1: is probably the best con- comparison yeah. among yeah. Penn State receivers because he wasn't big either, but yeah. he was tough. He had enough muscle to – and what do you think is going to happen with Dotson with NFL question? Can he be muscled?
0: I would think that that would be part of the game plan for sure because you know he's going to he's going to be one of those guys that they're going to try and find out about him and I just, yeah. I just think that he's versatile enough to to pretty much first of all you got to get your hands on him if you're going to muscle him like if you miss him off the if you miss miss him off the line of scrimmage and he's by you then it's it's a problem so it just depends what the thing that I like about him most is you know some of the some of the big college the college receivers that aren't aren't panning out so much it's like either work ethic or it's they can't consistently catch the ball and I don't think anyone's going to have any problems or any issues with Johan Dotson on either one of those fronts. Right, right. He gets the ball, he's going to catch it. And you
1: know yep. he's going to work, which is more Bobby Ingram comparison. I, I think we probably should mention that Anthony Poindexter is yep. looking yep. like a, a very – I was talking about him last week. I think he is viewed around the country as a – I was wondering if you thought that, that, that Franklin – could make him coordinator just to save him. And that's always the, the push pull yeah. with these things. Do you do you, you elevate a guy because you need to keep him or even can you keep him? Now, he's a, if he's head coach at Virginia, there's nothing Franklin can do because you're we talking major money. We we're talking to four or five million a year and he can't compete with that. That's a major move yeah. and it looks like it's going to happen.
0: Yeah, and certainly the one year he had at Penn State was uh, fantastic. He Tremendous. inherited a very good safety in Brisker, but I think Jair Brown, his development uh, this year, uh, a ball hawk who also led the team in solo tackles. You know, that's, that's certainly a feather in Poindexter's cap. And he certainly, Davey certainly knew the safety position. Well, because of what he did, uh, you know, for, at Virginia, back to back years, he would have been a star in the NFL if he didn't rip up that knee. It's unfortunate, but he's he a guy went anywhere. Could have done anything. <laughs> he could have uh, went anywhere. Good for him. I mean, good for him. Uh, if if he's the guy, uh, and we'll just see what J- what old James Franklin is going to do. He might have. He might. He might be. He might be between the transfer portal, Dave, and some of the opt outs, possibly, and some of the holes in his assistant coaching staff. He looks forward to the opportunity, new <laughs> blood into the program. Guys are <laughs> going to get their shot. <laughs> I've been watching this guy for a long time. I'm you know, confident he'll
1: rise you know, to the challenge. You know, Moorhead has some buzz phrases <laughs> and buzzwords. So we're going to, for- He's he's, he's got to have some. All right. Well, we'll get to that. Uh, not next week, but the week after, I think we'll probably have him. After, I'm, I'm after signing to- day.
0: If you just want to do a separate podcast about the weather, I'm sure Penn Live will green light it. He's, like, he's a weather geek like I, I am. I, I
1: neglected to mention that, which is hilarious. I, you know? yeah.
0: I I just don't want to steal your thunder, step on your toes. Uh, but you, I, just, I, you just stay out of the way, like <laughs> Alexa. Stay I'm, I'm, out of the way. I'm advocating for a separate weather podcast right <laughs> now. We could have you're John. gonna go. you're going to go off on a tangent. And we I'm not going to you guys back in. We
1: could have John Neese on. Me, John Neese. Yeah, said so John would talk serious weather to him, and he'd really get into that. So
0: I would like to also do a a, a taste of the town podcast with Moorhead specifically about Pittsburgh, just about the food, where he liked to go, what it was like growing up, is Iron City beer underrated? Just stuff like that is what's on the top of my head. I don't know that I'm going to get in my way though.
1: See, he's within proximity of his hometown at Akron. If you've ever been to Akron, that's got to be one of the reasons. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe I'll go out and see him this summer. Maybe yeah. I'll drag Herman out to Akron. We'll, we'll see him for a couple days. And yeah,
1: take 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 your own water.
0: <laughs> All right, that's it for this edition of the Blue White Breakdown podcast. He's Dave Jones. Lakes and plains, right? Lakes and plains. Uh, they'll never do it. They're gonna. All do right, but I'm just trying to give you credit. Just trying to give credit yeah. where credits due yeah. It's been the Blue White Breakdown podcast. I'll be back later in the week with Daniel Gallon. Who knows? What, I hope maybe he's a weather guy. I could see Daniel being a weather guy. He's a track guy, he's a track and field guy. All right. I'll to, get him going on a distance runner. He also yeah. plays a guitar, so we'll see.
1: Yeah, you're going to have to talk about Steve Prefontaine or something.
0: <laughs> this has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live.